You're listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, Queen City Church, to another episode of Queen City Church uh, podcast or video cast, however we want to describe it. Hey, Robin, how's it going? Hey, man. I'm doing well. We you got, look good today. We got smiles on today. We got them. Listen, they're authentic. <laughs> we got some stuff to smile about. Our hair's growing long, but... You know, I, I haven't, I I haven't given into the COVID buzz yet, but I can feel it coming. Well, it's, it's, uh, I'm really happy to be here. I, you know, it's interesting. We've been, we've been filming on Fridays and it's the one time a week that I leave my house. And I, I can honestly say it's pretty much the highlight of my week at this point. So. It's good to see you and Chris. At Everything's least. relative then. It right? really is. Everything's relative. Everything's relative. You become so thankful for like the things that we used to take for <laughs> granted. Our week, our weekly routine is all of a sudden right. just become pure, exactly pure joy when you exactly. get just a little taste of it. So, oh. well, Robin, you have recently mentioned to me your concern for folks in a way that I had really not thought about. Um, you, you had said, you know, uh, there's this, there's this dynamic where we're, we're relatively alone in our quarantine situations. And many of us may be facing underlying issues in our lives that are now being exposed because we don't really have the ability now to busy ourselves away from those, those things. We, we, we're we're no longer busying ourselves with the normal stuff of life. So while this may present challenges to us, it seems like this moment could really be a gift of God, a uh, gift of God to us in some ways. I know that yeah. sounds strange, but trying yeah. to gain perspective on this, what are your thoughts on this dynamic that people are being faced with at this moment? Well, one thing, I've thought about it and I encapsulated it in this one little paradoxical comment. You cannot social distance yourself from yourself. Wow. Yeah. And um, lots of times the busyness of life is that way because we're not really dealing with um, some pretty significant issues. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I've had people I've talked to about things and they just simply say, I don't want to talk about that. And mm-hmm. so they don't want to look at it. Their coping mechanisms are, are, can be, can be maxed out. But I had been wondering if the, if the isolation and, um, the uncertainty mm-hmm. of when we can return to normal life, if there will be a normal life, which I obviously believe there will. Yeah. I think this is going to be a little bit of a blip on the radar, mm-hmm. nevertheless a significant blip. You know, people have financial concerns, state of the economy, and you could you could listen to people that say we're not going to be normal for two more years, which I think is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, people have fears of the Great Depression and, you know, all of that. And I don't I don't see that quite frankly. Yeah. And it's not a real concern I have. Nevertheless, 
the isolation and lack of busyness can can allow some of these things in your heart and your mind to emerge that maybe you haven't sufficiently dealt with. Yeah. And um, one of the things that struck me, it's so easy to become self-focused. Mm. And uh, Harry Bazell, someone we both know, a pastor from, from years gone by, used to say that self-focus or self-centeredness is what you're talking about is the landing pad for spiritual or demonic oppression, which mm. means the more your life revolves around yourself, the more inclined you are to just simply put tank. Yeah. Emotionally, even physically. Yeah. And so when it's so easy to become self-focused or self-centered, one of the things I thought about, if that's what's going on with some people and they're hearing this, if you're struggling with that, um, Go help somebody else. Mm. Go call somebody else. Mm. Not to tell them what you're in, but to find out how they're doing. Mm -hmm. Or um, start praying for other people instead of being so focused and so concerned on yourself. So that, that uh, that was one of the things I thought about. Now, I think there are other things that can happen where there are certain personality types um, are easily condemned. Mm-hmm. You know, things emerge in their hearts, temptations, whatever. And the thing I wanted to say to them was, hey, listen, you just, you can't take how you feel so seriously here. Mm-hmm. You really have to back up and, uh, and love yourself so that you can love other people. Mm-hmm. You can't hate yourself and really be much good for other people. So, you know, they're just some, some little, practical things like that. But I, I do think we could use this time. You know, you mentioned the gift. Mm-hmm. Could this be a gift from God? And I think it really can be um, if we handle it right. Right. Uh, I think uh, this is a great time to reset our spiritual lives, to reconsider as a believer, and that's mm. primarily who we're talking to, and that's the context out of which we're speaking. Yeah. Um, what is this idea about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness as your primary concern? Yeah. And so I am not a great um, fan of condemnation because I don't think it helps. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can condemn yourself into doing better. I'd rather like the idea of being honest about where you are and if there's a forgiveness issue, go to the Lord with it. And, um, but another thing I thought too, and I mentioned this earlier, I believe that before God is going to do a unique thing, and when I say a unique thing, I mean like a national outpouring of the Spirit mm-hmm. or some kind of a major turn back to God. He will do some unique things before he does that unique thing. And I think this could be one of those seasons mm-hmm. where God is weighing people's hearts, God is giving people opportunities to get this stuff out of their lives yeah. because he wants to do something very remarkable in their lives. Well, let me just take a step backwards yeah. just for a second. Let, let's, let's hone in on the description of, of what the dynamic is that really got you thinking along this line. So, I, I've, I've, I'm kind of hearing you say two different things. So, yeah. there are... We can say that there are outside forces 
that are creating stress for people. So yes. uh, the obvious would be the moment that we're in, which might include financial stresses. Real or, circumstances. Yeah, real actual life circumstances that are pressing down on people. And, you know, of course, everyone has different degrees of feeling that at that at this moment. So that there's the outer stresses. But then one of the things that you brought up to me was that because of the isolation or the quarantine situations, yeah. you were concerned with the inner worlds that people, uh, we were just dealing with ourselves. Like right. we were all right. of a sudden right. coming face to face with, with our, our own stuff. And where in normal life, we have the ability to maybe ignore that stuff. Yep cope in some way to avoid those realities um so it's almost like we we could very well be in a place where we're contending against two major issues outside forces that are coming against us yeah. and then the inner world stuff that's external working against and us internal. Yeah, yeah so external and internal and this might not be true for everybody of yeah, course yeah. but yeah. i know you were you were really having um just this thought of, you know, I, you said it to me this way. You said, you know, Andy, I think that right now, um, one thing that could be being exposed in our lives is just basic sin issues. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny, Andy, in our generation, there's a disregard for the fact mm. of sin. Mm. Okay. Um, I think it, it goes in my life. I can trace it all the way back to the sixties into the free love movement. Yeah. Freedom equal doing whatever you wanted to do with whomever you wanted to do it as frequently as you wanted to do it. Right. And, um, that with, um, say people coming back from the Vietnam war and mm. the drug addictions that I think followed them really has done harm to mm. the nation. Mm. But Bible, basic Bible, which is what I go by. Yeah. Basic Bible says things like this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay. Um, but then it also tells us the process of being justified, which is a mm. free gift. Yeah. But you're not eligible for the free gift if you haven't recognized the fact that you um, have fallen short. Yeah. That you've sinned. Mm. Now, I don't believe that means there's no value to a person because he's a sinner. I don't go that right. sort of ultimate depravity thing. Yeah. Although I can see um, there have been ultimately depraved people. For sure. That have progressed to that. But for sure. It's the idea of acknowledging you're a sinner because Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. Mm. And so there's a consequence to a behavior you may not want to call sin, mm. which is death. Now, it doesn't mean necessarily you're put in the grave immediately death, but it means um, the life you live relative to the life you could have lived is death. Okay. Is death. Yeah. Here's the problem, Andy. Jesus lived the normal Christian life. Mm. See, we have very inaccurate viewpoints of what it is to be a Christian and what it looks like. Yeah. So we think we measure up to certain standards when the standard isn't even close to the true one, which is the person, right. person of Jesus. Now, we all fall short of that. 
But if you can begin to see that's the kind of life available to us, mm. but you can't get there unless you have, you deal honestly with the person that you are as opposed to the person you want to be or think you should be. Okay. Well, so what I hear you saying is that when we are going to do work, uh, internal work, internal work. Yeah. To maybe, uh, well, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, you know, uh, to get better, you know, I, I'm, I'm really working. For, I'm living my life from this point of view that I'm loved by God. I'm fully loved and embraced exactly. by God. Exactly. But that does not disconnect me from the idea that there are places in my life that need to change from bad to good or from yes. good to better, right? Yes. And it seems yeah. like we yes. kind of live in a cultural moment where we've kind of decided to put the idea of sin or the sinfulness of man on the back burner. Right. And, and I feel like we've kind of lost an essential part of the gospel story which to our great relief deals with the issue of sin on yes. our behalf. Yes. So, so I think what I hear you saying is that it is fundamentally important to begin by acknowledging our need for change yes. to take place yes. within us. Is yes. that, am I hearing you right? Yes. Yes. Um, one of the problems with not being honest with yourself uh, not in some sort of mystical way, but in some sort of hands-on, practical, did you do this, did you not do that right, way. Right. Behavior, your true actual yeah. behavior. And uh, a man that had a significant impression on my life, he's gone on to be with the Lord now, was Arthur Bird. And Arthur had these little short principles or short ideas that are profound. One of them was take the blame, or do it again. Mm. And see, one of the ways we get beyond those things that entrap us, Andy, is we take responsibility for them. Wow. Okay. We face them directly. We, we and, own them. We own them. But see, when you own an act, uh, an actual behavior, something you've done, you can then disown it. Yeah. Because when uh, you bring something to the Lord for forgiveness, his brand of forgiveness is it goes automatically into the round file. He mm. forgets it. Yeah. Because that's the true love of God. The yeah. true love of God is not, your sins aren't um, washed over, they're removed. Mm. Mm. They're removed. Yeah. And see, the marvel of the Christian life is, if we can grasp it, is the blood of Jesus was such a potent remedy for sin and for sinfulness that when you see it the way God sees it, you have no longer a sin consciousness. Mm. You you know you're free. You know you're free. Yeah. Um. And I think, I think that's important. I really do. I really think that's important. But when we don't take responsibility for our behavior, Andy, what happens is we, we repeat it. Yes. We repeat it. Yes. And, um, that's I know a that's, problem. I know that's true in my own life. I, 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 I can see actual, um, 
for lack of a better word, breakthrough from bad behavior into good behavior when the first step of my healing is telling the truth to myself about right, myself. Right, right, it's almost right. like that is the hardest thing for folks to do, myself included, Yes, I get which it. is to maybe find out something about yourself from somebody else, like somebody else's perspective in that, hey, you're doing this and it's very hurtful. I, I can, I can think of a half a dozen instances in my life where somebody confronted me on some kind of sin that I was committing. And to my first reaction was, well, that's not true. You don't know me. Right. That's not true at all. Right. When it, so, so that defense mechanism, that, that desire to justify myself in front of another person and to myself is, is really the main stumbling block when it comes to that first right. step that you're talking about right. taking, right. telling the truth to yourself. That to me, that would fall under the category of owning something. Exactly. And and then, so I I would say that for me, um, and I can't really tell how I've done this in in the past, but that that receiving of the truth about myself. When I do that, I could often feel a great grace pouring out into my heart and my mind from the well, Lord. That's, that's right. It's like um, condemnation makes you want to give up. Yes. But true Holy Ghost conviction brings peace and hope. Yes. It's all built in it. Wow. Yeah. The law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Christ Jesus. The scripture says, and what that means is with every, let's say, truth that exposes us as we honestly hear it, there's an attendant grace to keep us from tanking and mm. actually give us hope. Well, there's a way to get out of this. There's a way to change. Yes. And yes. that's the gospel. Yes. Amen. And, and one thing I would also like to say is that we are, when I think of, you know, first of all, you, you and I, neither of us are hard on sin preachers. I know, no, I know right. we've had folks come to the church here and that's, that's one of the questions they ask us is, do you guys preach hard against sin? And I, I'm often mystified by that question. First of all, I don't know what the point of that way of being is. I don't, I don't like majoring on folks sin issues. But at the same time, I want to be careful that we, we definitely affirm the scriptural point of view, which oh, yeah. is definitely making an acknowledgement of, of, of sin. Um, but, uh, I lost my train of thought. Let me just, let me just jump onto this next, this next question then, yeah. Robin. Question three. So, so we have established that at least the very least by the witness of scripture that sin is real and right. that sin in our lives must be acknowledged and confessed on some level, yep. on some level. Yep. The scripture talks a lot about the word repentance, about repentance. What exactly is repentance and why is it important to practice it and practice repentance in our lives? Well, repentance technically means to change your mind. Okay. 
That's and, that's different than what I've thought about it. But there's more to it. Okay. I'll, sh- I'll show you another verse too okay. that makes you go, oh, there is more to it. Repentance means to change your mind. And the basic message of Jesus was repent for the kingdom of heavens at hand. Mm. And so it's when you change your mind, it's like you turn is a turning. Yeah. You turn from one thing, but you're supposed to turn to another. Wow. Okay. Not just turn away from, but turn toward. Okay. And so Jesus is saying, you're confused about living what, the, what this life is. This is what this life is. And it's the kingdom of heaven. Mm. And then he spent all his days teaching, showing, demonstrating what that was. Mm. But there's another aspect of it, repentance, which is sort of the classic repentance from sin. And I was looking at this verse that's not quoted a whole lot. It's over in Acts chapter 17. Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he's ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. So there's a dynamic here. One aspect of it is a truly repentant Christian does not come into the same judgment an unrepentant person does. Okay. Because their righteousness issues before God that have to be met have to be answered somehow. Mm. So I see like three different levels of how this works. There's the level where you're repentant. Your judgment is all positive. If you go to court and you get a judgment. Yeah. You might get a good judgment. Yes. You might get the reward of something. Yes. Well, that's what Christians do. That's the kind of judgments we come into is a reward-based judgment. Mm. But at the same time, there are verses that say that God will try every person's work, whether it be gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, or stubble. And what that means is this is not a, a trial of condemnation, but it's a proving of what your motivation was in life wow. as far as it came to the Lord. Yeah. Did you do what you did for your glory? Did you do it for his? Yes. And what measure of that is or is not in your life? Yeah. And that'll be a public thing from what I've understood from the scripture. Okay, so so you're talking about repentance from an eternal perspective. Would you say that repentance has some some temporary earthly value as well? Um. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and it 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 goes back to um, what we were talking about earlier, how our behavior affects ourselves and yeah. how it affects other people. And I was thinking too when you were you were talking about the difficulty at times you've had with dealing with with who you are. The problem is we can be blind to who we are. It's true. I mean, and yes. and if we if you can recognize that you know you see somebody doing something really harmful to themselves or someone else mm-hmm. you can't assume they know they're doing that in a way that's harmful right that, it's just this human thing going on yes yes now the problem is and this is what you and I've talked about the problem is when um it's actually so, the relationship we have with someone else that points out to us the things we don't like. Mm. That's usually in some form of a conflict. Right. But wisdom is we pay attention to those things to see 
what is really going on in there because if that person's right, even if they didn't do it always for the right reason, in God's economy, God's trying to help us. Yes. He's trying to help us. Yeah, so sometimes somebody with even a bad motivation in confronting you over some issue. Oh, boy. God can still use that to work some stuff out in your own life, can't he? Oh, oh yeah. I, I, was, <laughs> I was actually thinking about um, how this works. Uh, one could ask the question, well, how can I know what's wrong with me that I'm not aware of? Yeah. Well, here comes the poison. Yeah, yeah. Pay close attention to who you criticize. Wow. Be close My attention goodness. to the people that you criticize because more often than not, you identify your own problems through your own criticism of other people's oh, problems. Man. Nobody wants to hear that, Nobody. Robin. <laughs> I wish I didn't know that myself. Oh, and here's so what, good. so here's what Jesus says about it. Let's go back to yeah, Jesus. Might as well. <laughs> he says, judge not that you be not judged. Mm. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, that is actually the most frightening part of it. Mm. When you judge somebody for something and you have a sentence you want to put on their lives, you are actually putting a sentence on your own life. Mm. You determine the measure. Yeah. You determine the measure. Very wow. frightening concept. Wow. And this was Jesus' basic philosophy. Yeah. So then he goes on to say, and why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? This is Matthew 7. Be great if that wasn't in the Bible. Mm. Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Here's what J Jesus says. Hypocrite. Mm. First remove the plank from your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eyes. So one of the points Jesus is making here, and I don't think it's necessarily absolute, we can actually see things in people's eyes we can help them with, that we don't come at them from a critical standpoint. But what he is saying is that often when we can identify a speck of something in someone else, it's most likely we have a plank's worth of that mm -hmm. in our eyes. Wow. So I was thinking about this whole hypocrite thing. I am a hypocrite. Andy Squires, I would like to go on record today to tell you I am a hypocrite. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I get where you're going on this. Yes. Someone once told me that they weren't going to church anymore because the church was filled with hypocrites. That's the classic conclusion of a bitter person who doesn't really get it. Right. So I said, well, the super Walmart is uh, filled with hypocrites too, but you go down there twice a week. Yes. Yes. So my personal opinion is that everyone is a hypocrite. Mm. Maybe not a full-on practicing one, yeah, but at least a former one and very potentially a future one as well. Yeah, we should treat everybody. We should treat our own hypocrisy like alcoholics treat alcoholism. Hello, my name is Robin. Yes. I'm a hypocrite. That's incredible. We all have some degree of hypocrisy working in our lives. Absolutely, no question. And while you're while you're talking, I'm 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 doing math in my mind, and I'm thinking the. It seems like dealing with the truth about yourself is very connected to humility working in your oh, life. Absolutely. Because I don't absolutely. think you can, you can't confess the truth or receive the truth about your life or yourself without a, a good bit of 
humility working in your heart and and not false humility might i add not yeah, not the yeah. kind of oh i'm so humble look at me no the the kind that is uh i i think of that scripture that the the lord is near to the lowly in heart so there's this this humility that is working that has a lot to do with um a softness, a tenderness, a being willing to hear something about yourself that yeah. is not necessarily easy to hear. Well, along that line, David committed some terrible sins. Um, he had Uriah the Hittite killed to cover up his immorality with Bathsheba. Right. Um, if you read through there in, I think it's first, first Samuel or second Samuel one, um, it's amazing how uh, deceived David was. Right. Well, Nathan the prophet came to him and told him a little story to set him up. I won't go into all the details, but the end of it was David repented. And one of the things Psalm 51 tells us about David, he tells how utterly deceived he had, uh, he had deceived himself so utterly. Mm, mm. And he concluded this. And you mentioned it a minute ago. Let me see Psalm uh, 51. For the source of your pleasure is not in my performance or the sacrifices I might offer you. The fountain of your pleasures is found in the sacrifice of my shattered heart before you. Wow. See, that goes right along with that soft heart you were talking yeah. about. That's what it comes down to. Mm. True humility should make us tender mm. to each other and, and you know, to the Lord. I, I was thinking there's a, there's a passage in Brennan Manning's book, The Ragamuffin Gospel. He, he on his journey with the Lord started out as a Catholic priest and then he, he left the priesthood and uh, became a writer and uh, he, he lived in the pr- Protestant evangelical world for the majority of his life. But he, he noticed a dynamic among Protestants. He had a lot of folks say this to him. I wish I had what the Catholics had which was a confessional booth where they could go and confess their sins on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. I was so struck by that the first mm-hmm. time I read that. Um, and that, that might sound strange to say, but it, there's something to the daily practice of confessing our shortcomings. Yeah. And I think, I think of it in the Lord's Prayer where Jesus is leading his disciples, teaching them how to pray. And in that prayer, he says, forgive us. You know, this is obviously to right. our heavenly father, forgive us our trespasses. And so Jesus is teaching his followers this daily prayer where we are acknowledging our shortcomings. And I think we can do that successfully without taking on this poverty mindset, this lowly sinner mindset. I don't want to live in the, in the world where 
nobody believes in sin anymore. But I don't want to also be- live in the world where nobody's acknowledging the reality that we live in. Right. It seems to me that Jesus put out a very healthy version of daily confession in order to mm-hmm. keep our minds and hearts purified in yeah. some ways. I thought about this too, Andy. Um, you remember the, uh, it, uh, in the, the Apostle Paul's experience, there was actually a man who had taken up with his stepmother yeah. in a sexual relationship. Yes. And he repented. And Paul's instructions were receive this man back like in full repentance, lest he become overly sorrowful. Yes. So see, the thing is, we can't make ourselves holy by um, an extreme sin consciousness. Mm -hmm. We're made holy by faith. Come on. It's a gift to us. Come on. It's just that our behavior can get in the way of the gift sometimes. And so it's not a matter of being hard on yourself and hard on everybody around you. It's really a matter of being honest and developing good relationship with the Lord and good relationships with other people. Mm. Well, Robin, I, I want us to wrap up because I don't want to go on too long, but I do, I do feel that we're going to probably do more on this topic because there's really a lot coming out here and, and yeah. I, I feel the Holy Spirit on so much of what you're saying. But I, I want to maybe wrap this up by telling folks that not every issue, internal issue that we're, we might have to deal with is anchored in sin that we've created or committed. Right. Right. So some of the issues that we face um, they're related to shame with that we yeah. secretly bear due to some hurtful things that have happened to us or because of some dysfunctional family relationships. And I don't believe that God means for us to be living our lives crippled by shame. Right. But many of us have learned how to cope. We've got coping mechanisms that we use in order to keep those terrible feelings at bay that shame brings. And I know that's kind of a big old way to end, but maybe we can get into this next week or the week after. But Robin, just how, unpack for us just a little bit. How do we as people begin to deal with the underlying negative issues that we might be carrying in our hearts? Yeah. Well, one thing that I've done is um, tried to bring, and I've, I preached on this several months ago. I had a message here at the church on shame, and I sort of outlined things that had happened to me that made me feel ashamed, things yeah. that I'd done. And my conclusion is Jesus experienced shame of his own. And I believe, but not from what he did, but you cannot but feel ashamed when you're naked, bleeding, and have been publicly humiliated before not just the world, but your mother. Yeah. You know, that's hard to think that. Yes. Um, 
And he says in Hebrew, it's written in Hebrews 12, that he endured the cross despising the shame. Um, and what it meant there, despising meant not like we would, we use the term, I despise that person, almost like a hatred, but it means to make little of it. Mm. And so he took on shame, but for the joy that was set before him, and I think that's people. Mm. I think we are that. I think, it, first of all, I think it's joy. Yeah. I think the real experiential joy. But then I think it was also a picture of the people that he did that for. Yes. The joy set before him. Yeah. He endured the cross and despised that shame. But it really helped me to know that Jesus felt shame. Wow. That he felt a man who never committed a crime. Yes. A man who never broke a law. A, ne- a man who was 100% always pure in heart, never did a shameful thing, felt not just his own shame of humiliation, but our shame that we've sort of rightly earned. Yeah. You know, may, maybe there's a, there's a kind of shame where people make fun of you. That's not earned. Right. But then there's a kind of shame you feel where you really probably should feel ashamed for what you did. Yeah. If it can be done in a redemptive way. And the other thing I know is there's such, um, when you know the love of God, I mean, the God that would forgive David in the Old Testament and our, and an older covenant in mm-hmm. our covenant, we have a brand new covenant. We have an unshakable covenant. That God who is love, when you know that love of God, you can talk to him about anything and you can give these things to him. And there will come deliverance from it. Mm. There really will. Yes. Um, I think a lot, a lot of the feelings of shame are still connected to maybe our critical spirit towards others. Mm. I can't help but think there's a connection somewhere where we haven't really just simply stopped judging people's motives. Mm. We just simply are living with them having real communication, but not always suspicious of everything they say and do, not always assuming we're so brilliant, we know why they do it, and then making a judgment. So I like the idea that you can be completely freed from shame. Actually, the Lord told me one time, if people knew what I had done for them on the cross, fully known and understood what I'd done for them on the cross, they would no longer experience shame because I took it. Mm. But that's a spiritual thing. That's not just a yeah. scientific equation. It's not two plus two is four. There has to be something that goes on between you and real relationship with the Lord mm. that releases you from those things. Amen. And that's all part of the journey, getting there to that place yes. where you actually don't feel that sense of shame anymore. Yes. That that's that's why it's worth investing in your relationship with the Lord. Exactly. Because there's there really are some things that only he can do. Well, I'm going to close us out in prayer and just thank the Lord for yes. helping us in this season. Yes. Is there is there anything that you would like to add? I one one thing just to let people know, Ad, we're going to have Adam Fidel. Awesome. Uh, we're going to yeah, we're going to do a couple of podcasts. We're working out the details. I think Andy might do one and I might do one, but we're going to have Adam on for the next couple of weeks. Great. To look at a lot of these issues from um his uh, therapeutic standpoint. Yeah, Adam Fidel, we should add, is a mental health expert. He's a therapist by yeah. trade. And so we're going to have him on and just 
talk through some of this yeah. stuff with him. So Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time together. Lord, I pray for our folks today that are maybe dealing with just issues of sin and shame uh, in their homes, just all the stuff that, uh, that we're, we are dealing with in this, this tough time. Lord, I thank you that you don't leave us alone. Yes. You don't leave us ill-equipped, but we are vessels filled with your Holy Ghost power and you give grace to empower us to transform. Lord, in fact, you are the author and the finisher of our faith. And we believe this, that you are leading us from glory to glory and that you really do have our best at in your mind and heart. So our prayer is, Father, that you would open our eyes to bring us into a greater awareness of your cleansing flood that is descending upon us even now, Lord Jesus. And we pray, Lord, that that you would give us the cloak of humility and that you would lead us into this time of transformation. And Lord, we pray all of this in your name. Amen. Amen. Queen City, we'll see you Sunday morning on the live cast on Instagram Live. And we'll see you back here next week in time for the podcast. You've been listening to the Queen City Sermon of the Week. For more information about this recording and other resources, go to queencity.church and follow us on Instagram for live services Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. and Wednesday evening at 7 p.m.